time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Flirt, when we came up with the word flirt, we're, we're not really, I mean, I know the first thought is, you know, flirting with someone that you might like. You know, and all the cheesy, awkward things that you do to try to flirt with them and all that stuff. But flirt, really, we're coming from the standpoint that we don't want to flirt with anything that draws our attention and focus away from God. We don't want to flirt with boundaries and relationships. In fact, there are times we don't even want to flirt with even getting in or having a relationship because we do want to be singular focused, is that a word, singular, singular, singularly, singular, whatever, focused on Christ through high school, all right? We want to make sure that he is number one. So when we say flirt, we're really talking about, are we flirting with anything that could take the place of God being number one in our lives? Are we flirting with those things? So we're going to be talking about that, but a lot of it is going to be about sex and dating and different things like that. And we're going to be talking a lot about dating tonight. We're going to be talking about the dating myth tonight. How many of you know what the dating myth is? Good. I'm going to explain it to you. But before we start with the dating myth, I have to give, I did this last year during our sex and dating series, and I have to give the best pickup lines for 2013. All right, so I did take a couple from last year because they were just so stinking funny. I couldn't leave them out. So these are the top 20, top 20. I couldn't even narrow it down to 10. They're just so good. All right, you guys ready? Top 20 pickup lines. Ladies or guys, if you ever have anyone try to use one of these on you, do you know what you do? You run! You run as fast as you can. All right? In fact, Braden has probably used some of these already. He's probably used some of these already. Okay. You guys ready? Number one. Here, I got to get into character. Okay. Did you fart? Because you just blew me away. Number two, I hope you know CPR because you just took my breath away. Number three, life without you would be like a broken pencil. Pointless. Pointless. Number four. Baby, let's make like fabric softener and snuggle. Run, run. Oh, this is a good one. I like this one. I'm like chocolate pudding. I look like crap, but I'm as sweet as can be on the inside. (laughs) Number six. Are you a parking ticket? Because you got fine written all over you. (laughs) Ah, That's a good one. Number seven. Are your legs tired? 
because you've been running through my mind all day. Number eight. This is a good one. Hey, baby, do you have a car? Because it'd be really cool if you could pick me up tomorrow afternoon and bring me into my shift at Taco Bell. <laughs> if you hear that one, run. There's nothing wrong with Taco Bell, by the way. But Number nine. See my friend standing over there? He wants to know if you think that I'm cute. Number 10, can you give me directions to your heart? Because I seem to have lost myself in your eyes. <laughs> Number 11, if you were a tear in my eye, I wouldn't cry for fear of losing you. <laughs> I, some of you guys should be writing some of these down I'm just kidding number 12 if I could have rearranged the alphabet I'd put you and I together number 13 baby are your parents terrorists because you're the bomb <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> this is a good one too. I like this one. Number 14. If a fat man puts you in a bag at night, don't worry. I told Santa what I wanted, that I wanted you for Christmas. <laughs> Number 15. Hello. My name's Mike, but you can call me later. <laughs> Took a second to get that one, didn't it? Number 16. Do you believe in love at first sight? Or I did, do I need to walk by you again? <laughs> Number 17. Your eyes are blue like the ocean. And baby, I'm lost at sea. <laughs> That's cheesy. <laughs> Number 18. Some of you are just getting that. Number 18. Was your father an alien? Because there's nothing else like you on earth. Number 19. If you were a burger at McDonald's, you'd be called McGorgeous. It's <laughs> good. Number 20. Number 20. Bucky used to use this one. Number 20. If you were a booger, I'd pick you first. <laughs> Isn't that good? Top 20, 2013. It's good stuff right there. Hope you guys took notes. <laughs> All right. So we're, tonight we're going to talk about the dating myth. The dating myth. Everybody say myth. You guys know what a myth is? It's something that people believe that's false. It's a myth. So 
I want to talk to you a little bit. Before we get into this, we really just need to set some biblical guidelines for dating. These are biblical guidelines. I mean, we shouldn't cross these guidelines. We shouldn't flirt without close to the fence we can. These are just simple biblical guidelines that are just laid out plain and simple right in Scripture. So number one, there's three of them. Number one, when you decide to date, does the person of interest need to be a Christian? Biblical guideline. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 15 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Baal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Okay? So, right there in Scripture, it talks about, you know, we shouldn't yoke ourselves. So, guys and girls, if you're even interested in someone, and you find out that they're not a Christ follower, that they're not a believer... Immediately, you just cross their name off the list and you move, move on. You just keep right on going. All right? You do, not play, you do not play missionary dating game. You don't play the missionary dating game. It does not work. Listen, you will get in a mess of trouble. See, you go into that relationship and feel like you're going to bring him or her up. Like, yeah, I'm going to witness to them. I'm going I'm to uh, just be a reflection of Christ to them in this dating relationship. And I'm just believing that they're going to get saved. Well, I mean, that's good and all. But what happens when you're closely tied to someone in a relationship, the person who is lower is going to bring you down. You are not going to bring them up. That's how it works. Okay? So we want to stay away from that. It's against, it's against, it's against the, the biblical command of Jesus. Man, don't get involved with that. You guys don't know how many teenagers' parents that I've worked with, that I, and I've ran into this scenario many, many times, where they will begin to date or, or they're, you know, when they started to date when they were younger, they were dating someone that was not a Christian. They were, and they were dating someone who was not. And man, it messes the family up. Now, there have been a couple just like miracle stories where that's happened and the other person did become a Christ follower, but not until after many years. And then by that time, damage has been done. There's got to be a lot of healing that has to take place. So you don't even want to go there. You don't even want to start down that path. Don't date anyone that's not a Christian, that doesn't believe the same way that you do. It's going to cause conflict. It's going to cause confusion and it's going to bring you down. Okay, number one. Number two, biblical guideline. What should be their primary focus? The person you're thinking about dating, what should be their primary focus? God. Okay, that's number one. God. What's number two? Family. What's number three? School. Good job. God, family, school, maybe sports. But at least those first three need to be above the person you're dating. God, family, education. And then it can be the boyfriend or the girlfriend. Okay? Always. You got you to have your focuses. You got to have your priorities in place. When your priorities get messed up, that's when you get messed up. When your priorities get messed up, that's when you find yourself in a big dark pit before long. You're, that's where you're going to be. Because everything's just gotten all out of whack. So primary focus, God, family, school, then you. Third, 
Oh, let me read that scripture. Matthew chapter 6, 33. But seek first, what? His kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Listen, God knows the desires of your heart. God knows that one day, you know, you're going to get, a, you're going to grow up and you're going to be married. And God knows that, you know, especially you ladies, you've been dreaming about your wedding day since you were like five. All right. God knows that. But listen, if we try to take matters into our own hands, what happens when we, whenever we try to take matters into our own hands? We usually mess it up, right? So if we will just keep God as the center, God as the focus, he will add everything else unto you. And there won't be baggage, and there won't be pain, and there won't be hurt in your past. He'll add everything unto you and all your heart's desires. Keep God first. Number three, third biblical guideline. What role does character and integrity play? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company, bless you. Bad company corrupts good character. Now listen, there's something that I always talk about, especially if I'm doing like marriage counseling with a couple or, or I'm looking, you know, at maybe some older, you know, students that are, that are deciding to date. Here's what you got to look at. Guy or girl. How are they treating their parents? How are they treating the people in authority over them? And how are they treating their peers? If you sense something is not right, if you're going out on a date with some guy and as you guys are walking out the door, he's yelling at his mom, being disrespectful and being rude, guess what? He may be nice to you right now, but in the next month or two, he's going to do the same thing to you. Because it's a character flaw. It's character. It's integrity. It's kind of like, uh, what's a good example? Uh, all right, when I'm making chocolate chip cookies, this is a good example. When I'm making chocolate chip cookies and I put the flour and the salt and the baking soda and all that stuff together and put it in there, I mean, that stuff kind of works its way through the whole batch, doesn't it? I was going to use yeast, yeast, but I don't know if you guys even know what yeast is. All right, so that flour, that sugar, that, it works its way through the whole batch of cookie dough. All right? So integrity is like that. Integrity affects the whole person. Not just specific relationships here or there. Integrity and character affect the whole person. So watch them. If they treat other people in a bad way, in a disrespectful way, they will treat you that way eventually. They may not be doing it now. Maybe it's your first date, second date, third date. Maybe they're being as kind and as gentle and as sweet and they're putting on a show because that's not who they are. So you got to watch for those things. You got to look at that. All right, so we got those out of the way. Three basic biblical guidelines for dating. So that's exposed this idea of the dating myth. Have you ever worked on a puzzle only to get all the way to the end and you find out you're missing a piece? I mean, it's annoying. Or have you gone to turn in a paper that you wrote and all of a sudden you see that page four was missing out of page 10? Page four out of a 10-page paper was missing and all of a sudden you have no idea what happened to it. And of course you use the excuse, the dog ate it. All right? Annoying. Or you think 
that you just, how many of you ever played Settlers of Catan? Have you ever played that? Yeah, yeah. You're playing Settlers of Catan and you think you just won. You're celebrating. You're jumping up and down. You throw your cards in the air and all of a sudden you realize you have nine points instead of 10 points. Huh? Okay, we've all kind of been there in different ways. You see, completion, completion, completing. Completion is the dating myth we all want to believe in. But there's only one problem. It's a big painful lie. Meaning that this person, if they will date me, if I can date them, if they can be in my life, I will feel complete. Baloney. Ridiculous. So we talk, we start, you know, it's this, uh, this idea of completion in this, this dating myth. It's this aching belief that Mr. or Mrs. Wright is going to enter our lives. It's what counselors would call the compulsion for completion. Everybody say compulsion for completion. That's good. We want someone to enter our lives who will give us this meaningful identity and make us feel deeply whole on the inside. But what really happens when we allow ourselves to start thinking this way is really a form of idolatry. You guys know what idolatry is, right? It's when something takes the place of God, whether it's through time, through action, through your worship, your focus, something takes the place of God. It's idolatry. All of a sudden you begin to worship that. It's like the, it's like the young man or young woman that pours their life into sports but does not have room for God. Or the young man or the young woman that pours their life and they're earning money so they can buy that first car at age 16. But by doing that, they work themselves to death and they've never made room for God. The car becomes the idol. Or money becomes the idol. Or sports becomes the idol. Okay? So when we look to humanity to fill what only God can fill, we willingly suspend our worship of God and our worship is directed to something else or someone else. Did you guys catch that? Let me read it one more time. I want, you to, mm, I want you to hang on to that. When we look to humanity to fill what only God can fill, we willingly suspend our worship of God and our worship is directed to someone else. I want you guys to watch this movie clip right up here. It's a great example of what I'm talking about. Hello? Hello? I'm looking for my wife. Wait. Okay. 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 This is where it has to happen, and this is where it has to happen. I'm not letting you get rid of me. How about that? This used to be my specialty. You know, I was good in the living room. They send me in there and I do it alone. And now I just... Tonight, our little project, our company, had a very big night. A very, 
very big night. But it wasn't complete. It wasn't nearly close to being in the same vicinity as complete. Because I couldn't share it with you. I couldn't hear your voice. Or laugh about it with you. I miss my, I miss my wife. We live in a cynical world, a cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. I'm not just has. Just shut up. You had me at hello. All right. If you know what this movie is, I don't want you to go see it. It's got trash in it. It's not a good movie. But I knew that end clip was perfect for this. Here's the guy that is looking to this woman and saying to her that she completes him, that without her, his life is nothing, that she is everything to him. Loser. Loser. That's ridiculous. Now listen, I'm happily married. I love my wife, but she does not complete me. God completes me. Now she's a great bonus. Don't get me wrong. But God completes me. God declares my identity. God reveals my identity, not my wife. And I don't want, I don't want her to look at me and saying, oh, without you, I, I couldn't live. I mean, I don't want to complete her either. I want God to complete her. All right. And that's what forms the healthy relationship when the relationship is focused on God. And walking in step with God, with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter. It's got to be towards God. So here's the truth. There are no shortcuts to personal growth and wholeness. No shortcuts. If you try to complete yourself through another person before you do the hard work of cultivating a strong self-esteem on your own and a right perception of who you are in Christ, every relationship will eventually end with disappointment and with pain. So there's two things that have to happen here. Before you even think about jumping into a relationship, you need a strong self-esteem. You need to know who you are. You need to be confident in yourself. And you need to make sure you, you are gaining and you have your identity from Christ. And that he's given you your identity. And you're not finding your identity wrapped up in whether or not you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or you're not finding your identity wrapped up in whether there's a group of friends that you feel like, man, I've got friends, I've got popularity, I've got social status. I mean, none of that stuff defines you. None of that stuff should define your identity. God should define your identity. I know no one likes to be lonely or feel alone. I understand that. 
We do just about anything to distract ourselves from that gnawing feeling, this, this pit in our stomachs that loneliness creates. And really one of the definitions of your generation is that loneliness runs deep. There's 11 de- definitions of your generation that really define your generation as a whole. And one of them is loneliness runs deep. The Chicago uh, Program of Behavioral Science did a research study once, and it, it interviewed students and asked them how they were feeling or what was the number one emotion they were feeling in the morning when they woke up, like at lunch, like in the evening, just different times of the day doing different things. And the, there was an overwhelming outcome. The emotion that they felt was alone. I know we don't like to be alone. I know we like to be with people. We like to have friends. We like to have a boyfriend or we like to have, we think we would like to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and that would change everything. That's what we think, but that doesn't change everything. Sometimes that just adds to the destruction. Sometimes that just adds to the emotional instability when we do that. In the midst of these times though, as we're feeling this way, We begin to buy into the toxic lie that says, man, when I find the right person, my life will be complete. And you see emptiness, the emptiness inside all of us is not a case of missing persons in our lives. It's not a case of missing persons, but a case of incompleteness deep down in our own souls. There's only one who can bring you the fullness and satisfy every heartfelt desire. John chapter 6, verses 32 to 35 says this. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Food and water, right? You have to have it, right? We all have to have food and water. Some of us like more food than others. You know, we gotta have food and water though. Some of us eat all the time. I know you're teenagers, you eat a lot. I still eat a lot sometimes, not as much. All right, food and water, we gotta have it, right? I mean, it's what we live on. It's, 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 we got to have it. Boyfriend or girlfriend, that's not a must-have. You will survive. You are not going to die. You will not die a slow, agonizing, painful death. You'll live. You really will. And it'll be great. And life will be great. Here's the situation I see played out all the time because I work with teenagers and I work with young adults. A young lady or a young man gets into a relationship and they think the person that they're dating is Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful. They have the feeling of, man, I don't know what I would do without them. Because of this mindset and feeling, they become incredibly insecure and protective of the relationship they are in because they are afraid of screwing it up and losing the one that they're dating. Why are they afraid of losing the one they're dating? Because the person they are dating has helped them overcome all their fears and all their insecurities. And their statement goes something like this. I've heard it a hundred times. When I'm with him or her, I just feel more whole on the inside. When I'm with that person. You know, it's so funny. I was 
uh, this was a, like, this was probably like two years ago. I was flipping through the channels, and I saw the interview of like the current bachelor and the, the lady he picked or whatever. Stupidest show in the world. But I saw this interview, and he actually said those exact words right on there. Their interview says, with her, I just feel more whole. And I'm like, oh, oh, you are missing out. The dude's got it all wrong. You know, I can't, and that, and that mindset just seeps in and kind of weaves its way through all of our culture. And that's the mindset that we have on relationships. I mean, you don't have to be Dr. Phil to figure this out. When someone in the relationship needs the other person to complete their identity, there's a serious lack of personal wholeness. A serious lack. There's a great breakdown in truth somewhere. So have you ever heard of the Greek myth of Pandora's box? Never heard that? Hidden inside the box were all the painful parts of Pandora that she was trying to avoid. The parts of her inner self that she was trying to bury. But it was all those hidden and buried parts that were giving Pandora trouble. Most people stop the story right there. But the important part is how the Greek myth ended. You see, as those parts inside Pandora's box were exposed to the light, she made her way to the bottom of the box. And do you know what she found there? She found what had been missing her whole life. She found hope. You see, when she took time to explore all the hidden pieces, she found the key to her own wholeness. So I want to walk with you through a few simple steps that's going to help you live in the bright light of God's truth instead of living in the darkness of Satan's lies. And that's really what this comes down to. Satan has, has sold you a lie and you bought it. Satan has sold you the lie that another human being or another person can complete you or fill you and make you whole. That's the lie. And we buy it. All over our culture, we buy it. And I don't want you guys to buy. I want you guys to be able to walk away. So steps to getting to the bottom of your own Pandora's box. Step one, if you haven't achieved a sense of who you are on your own, you will ultimately fall into one of two distortions that will sabotage your relationships. All right, two different areas. A, I need this person to be truly complete. Or B, if this person needs me, I'll be complete. Have you been on both sides of the fence? Have you seen that before in people? Have you seen that where they're so dependent on the other person that they have to be needed? It's not just about you needing them. It's about them needing you so badly. And it's almost they guilt you. They guilt you into a place where you say, man, I don't want to hurt them because they need me so much. It's like they're so dependent upon me. Especially at this age, you don't need to be dependent. You need to be independent. You don't depend on someone to bring all that joy, all that happiness, all that wholeness. You only depend upon God. That's the only one you should be dependent upon. The rest, you should be independent. If you're independent, guess what? You will make your own choices. If you're independent, guess what? The culture around you is not going to dictate your choices. It's not going to influence you because you're independent. You're confident in yourself. You know who you are. You know what you believe. When you know those things, when you have found your identity in Christ, you can make right choices all the time. Because so many of us make choices just to make sure we stay in with the popular crowd. Just to make sure we keep our social status. Just to make sure we 
have at least a little cool factor when we're around our peers. But that's not how we make choices. That's another lie that we buy into. So if you buy into either one of these lies, you're going to come up short every time. Both of these thoughts, the one where I need them to be complete or they need me to complete them. Both of these thoughts are lies and they will place a huge roadblock in your journey to having healthy relationships. So listen to me. It isn't anyone else's job to give you a healthy identity or to make you whole. People in your life are meant to share that, not be that. People in your life are meant to share that completeness, that wholeness that you have. But they're not meant to be it. Let's go to number two. Number one was having a sense of who you are. Number two, have the guts to look at someone, some of your personal hurts, little or big, past or present, and realize the impact that they're having on your present life and relationships. If we have been hurt in the past, if we are carrying some baggage, whether it's from promiscuity, whether it's from bad decisions we made in that relationship, different things, we've got to be able to look at those and we've got to be able to correct that to see where we are today and how we're leading that life today to make sure we don't make those same mistakes again. If we're not seeing our past or our pain through God's eyes, then we, we already have the wrong perception. If we're just trying to figure this out on our own, we're going to mess it up. We're sheep. You remember the Bible refers to us as sheep, right? Do you know sheep are the dumbest animal to walk the face of the planet? And we're referred to sheep all the time. If we take things in our own hands, guess what? We're going to mess it up. We've got to follow the voice of the shepherd. That's the person that's going to protect us, lead us safe, take us to eat, take us to the green pastures, all that other good stuff. So no one wants to deal with this hurt or pain in their lives. And it seems easier to them to just sweep it under the rug. Forget about it. Block it out. And we have to remember that the people you love most have the capability of hurting you the deepest. So we can't afford to sweep that stuff and those hurts and those pains and that bad. We can't afford to sweep that under the rug or just try to forget about it and move on. We've got to dig into it a little bit and learn from it. Learn where we went wrong so we don't go wrong again. So what's the point? Pain just doesn't go away, unfortunately. We have to face it. We journal on it. We speak honestly about it when necessary. And we refuse to simply bury it. We have to be willing to give forgiveness and receive forgiveness. And that takes work. The purpose behind dealing with your emotions is to protect you from repeating the pain of your past in your present relationships. So I know some of you have never dated in your lives. Some of you don't want to date. Some of you won't date till you get into college. Some of you may not date when you get out of college. But the vast majority of us, you're going to have boyfriends or you're going to have girlfriends. You're going to begin to date. And this is great stuff to really listen to and hone in on. I want to read that last sentence again. The purpose behind dealing with your emotions is to protect you from repeating the pain of your past in the relationships of your present. Regrettably, what I see constantly in student relationships and adult relationships is individuals using new 
relationships as replacement parts for the old hurts and losses. That's what happens. It happens all the time in marriages. Moms and dads, they get divorced. They don't deal with the hurt. They don't deal with the issues that were wrong. They don't deal with those issues that why they were divorced. And all of a sudden they jump into a new relationship thinking that the new relationship will fix all the old hurts and all the old pains. That's why the divorce rate increases to like 70 some odd percent in the second marriage and 90 some percent in the third marriage. Because they've never dealt with that stuff. So if you guys will learn to deal with this stuff at your age and not just bury it or try to walk away from it, it's going to protect your relationships and bless your relationships in your future. Does that make sense? Step number three. Step number three. Take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your life. Put yourself in the driver's seat. When it comes to becoming more and more whole on the inside, Put yourself in the driver's seat. Let me explain this. Don't wait on other people to help you feel more secure or more whole about yourself. Don't wait on other people to make you feel that way. Right? It's your life. You take control. You own it. You kick yourself in the rear if you have to. And if you can, I'll be glad to do it for you. I don't mind doing that at all. It's kind of fun. So what does this mean? It means position yourself in such a way that God can become all that you'll ever need. Remember the scripture? Put God first, put his righteousness first, and all these things will be added unto you. All of them will be added unto you. So don't worry about all the add-ons right now. He will give you all that stuff in his timing. He will bring all of that to you. Position yourself. In such a way that God can become all that you'll ever need. What's this mean to position oneself? No matter what hurts you have had, no matter how many times you have failed in the past, today you can begin a journey that seeks God's attention and not the attention of someone else. You can seek God's attention. We position ourselves to be fulfilled when we make God our number one priority. When we don't flirt with all these other things. But when we're solidified in our hearts of who we are, of who we serve, of who we want to follow, of who we want to look like, and we make God number one priority in our lives. When we seek him first, it changes everything. It will change the trajectory of your path when you seek him first. Some of you may be going off this path and this path and over here, and some of you are already in a hole, and, and some of you are just you know, falling along the wayside, and some of you have rolled your ankle, broken your leg, whatever. I mean, you're just everywhere except on the path that he's called you to be on. It's because we try to be fulfilled by the things and what God has purposed for us. So we make God first priority and we position ourselves to stay on that path headed towards Christ. Psalm 16, chapter 5, or chapter 16, verses 5 through 8 and verse 11. It says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That's coming from King David. Does this sound like he's worried about a lot of other stuff? I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, about to run a kingdom. Is he worried about that? It's a big kingdom. 
Lots of responsibility. A lot of people had screwed up before he got to that place. I mean, he was going to have to go in. I mean, he was walking in to a, to a messed up ship that he was going to have to write. Was he talking about any of that? Was he just like, woe is me? Was he thinking about his personal life? Was he thinking about what he had to do and what he had to accomplish? Was he thinking about the people who were out trying to kill him? Was he thinking about any of that stuff? No. He was simply focused on God. Telling God of how he completes him and telling God of how all his joy comes from him and how he's going to have an incredible inheritance. And that last part I love. Granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That's what he was focused on. Well, God brought him joy and how he couldn't wait to live with God forever. Let's take a lesson from the psalmist. Let's depend on God for those things. Healthy self-worth and emotional wholeness only comes from seeking the presence of God and from healthy choices repeated over time. I know this isn't what you want to hear, but it's the truth. George Shaw said, hell is to drift, heaven is to steer. You have to be intentional with your lives. You can't just go with the tide. You can't just go with the tide. You know, I was, uh, I'm almost done. I was, uh, I snorkeled off Key Largo once. When I was snorkeling, Holly and I did. You were with me, right? We're snorkeling off Key Largo. And there was such a strong tide. I mean, there was such a strong current in that area where we were snorkeling. You couldn't even hardly swim back to the boat. I mean, you just had to sit there and you just had to just, I mean, you, either you were going to be exhausted or you just let the current take you and the boat would come and pick you up when you got down, you know, out in the ocean a little ways. But this current would just take you. I mean, it was fast. I mean, it was cool because you got to see a lot of things. But, I mean, you were at the mercy of the current. But you cannot be at the mercy of where life takes you. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional with your choices, intentional with your decisions, intentional with positioning yourself, making God number one, making God first priority. You don't flirt with anything else. God is number one. Or if if you don't do that, you're going to find yourself out to sea somewhere. Just kind of going with the flow wherever life's taking you. And you don't want to go where life's taking you. You want to direct your life. You want to go where God's taking you. So this is what it means when I talk about taking control of your life. Listen, don't let your peers dictate your beliefs or your identity or your choices. You decide in your heart beforehand that with every decision, you're going to honor God. I'm going to see myself through God's lens and I choose to believe what scripture says. Okay, step number four, last one. Allow Jesus Christ to become the centerpiece of your wholeness. Allow Jesus Christ to become the centerpiece of your wholeness. When Christ is at the center, that's when you become alive and you, you become all that you were intended to become. Guys, he and he alone is the only one who can fill the vacuums in your heart or heal the wounds that you have. And to consistently be the kind of friend we all yearn for. It's God and God alone. Just like Corey ten Boom, the famous Holocaust survivor once said, when Jesus is all you have, Jesus will be all that you need. People are going to fail you. Churches are going to fail you. Moms, dads, sisters, brothers, and friends, probably at some point in time, are all going to fail. But Jesus Christ never will. 
He will never fail you. When you come to Jesus Christ with childlike faith and you ask him to come into your life and forgive you for all the junk that has separated you from him, scripture says that he comes inside and he dwells in us. It's a childlike faith. It's simply trusting God like a child would trust. I remember when Maddox, both Maddox and Hudson, but Maddox most recently, when he was like probably 18 months old, you know, he wasn't as thick and heavy as he is now. He's like 18 months old, you know, just a little guy. But me and one of my best friends, his name's Aaron Nitz, uh, we, would, we would stand. Holly, why don't you, you just get up and stand over there. Stand on that little white speck. Yeah. We would be from probably about here. And we'd be up in our youth facility, and I'd have my little 18-month-year-old, and we would play catch with him. Like, I would just whoosh, throw him up, and he would just fly through the air, big smile on his face, laughing, and Aaron would catch him. Then Aaron would flip him around and whoosh, throw him back. He'd fly through the air. I mean, it was great. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And, and he loved it. Now, he had a childlike faith. He's like, my daddy has never dropped me. Why would he drop me now? And he loved it. Now, if I would have dropped him a couple times, do you think he would have loved it? He would have been screaming his head off if I tried to chuck him 15 feet away. But he trusted me because I'd never dropped him. To this day, I've never dropped him. And I throw him as high as I can throw him. And it's getting lower because he's getting heavier and older. (laughs) But I've never dropped him. And God will never drop you. He will never drop you. That's why you make him the center. That's why you make him number one. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not my will, God, your will. Not what I want in this moment, God, what you want in this moment. By a simple choice of your will, you choose to make Jesus Christ your best friend, your Lord, and your master. Colossians 2, 9 through 10 says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. Don't miss this. See, no amount of money, no amount of relationships, beauty, success, or fame can permanently satisfy that yearning that only Jesus can satisfy. During your high school years, I strongly recommend, this is what I strongly recommend. I strongly recommend that you have one focus, and that's Christ. That means don't worry about dating in high school. I'm not going to stand up here and say, don't date and be strong-armed with it. Because I know many of you in here probably will date. And I want you to feel free to come to me when you start that so I can help you set up your boundaries together and kind of give you the right process. I've had several frontline students come to me and say, hey, I would like to date, but I, you know, what do I, how do I do this and do it right? And we sit down and, you know, I tell them to go to their, her, their parents and go to her parents or vice versa and set your boundaries and get all that stuff lined up. But do it right. If you're going to do it and you have to feel like you have to do it, then make sure you do it right. But my advice Because I've been doing this for 15 years and I've seen the hurt and the pain and the brokenness, my advice, just have one focus. Just focus on God. Remember, all those other things are gonna be added unto you in time. High school is not the place for the deep-hearted, 
long-term relationship to be added unto you. That's not the place. It's not the time. But it will happen. And it'll happen in God's timing with God's blessing. Matthew, cha- I'll leave you with this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Do, we have, do I have a keyboard player here tonight? Come on up and play keys. Thanks, Rachel. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Listen, guys, that, will you guys just stand with me? Just stand with me for a moment. Let's kind of keep focused here for just the next couple minutes and we'll be done. So some of you in here just need to redirect yourselves. Some of you in here have taken, taken life's choices into your own hands. And this goes way beyond dating right now. This goes way beyond relationships. Relationships is the backdrop, but there's a whole lot more to it. And some of you tonight need to reposition yourselves. You need to reposition. Some of you are off over here. Some of you are off over there. Some of you are struggling with addiction. Some of you are struggling with sin that just can't seem to get rid of. Some of you are, are uh, you know, up to your, you know, up to your ears and just relational conflict with parents or siblings or, or family or other people. Somewhere along the line, our focus went from Jesus to something over here that the world was offering that we bought into. And it's time to return it. Just like you buy something that's defective at the store and you return it. It's time to return those things that you've bought that are defective from where you are. And here's how I want to do this tonight. I think we're just going to take a moment. Rachel's going to play. I'm just going to do like two minutes of just reflection and no singing, but Rachel's going to play. And I want to use this dark strip of carpet, just as some symbolism tonight, as realigning ourselves to look at Christ. And if that's you tonight, as we just take a couple minutes here. If that's you tonight and you're just saying, Pastor John, tonight I want to realign myself, whether it's relationships or something else you mentioned or something else that you didn't mention that I know that has got me off track. Tonight I want to realign myself and I want you to do that. And I want you to begin to pray through that. I want you to repent and ask for forgiveness for those things. But I want you to do it as you come and stand on this dark strip of carpet anywhere on here, front to back, You don't have to be piled in with all the people. You can find a little spot, you know, your own little space. But I want you to, as symbolism, to step onto that and say, God, I want you. I'm taking taking initiative in my life. I'm going to be intentional with my life. I'm redirecting myself, and I'm going to focus back on you fully and completely. Can we just take a couple minutes and do that? I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to take a couple minutes, and I'll dismiss you. Heavenly Father. I thank you, Jesus, for tonight. I thank you, God, for the series. I thank you, God, that we can have fun at church and we're gonna have fun over these next couple weeks. But God, in this moment, I know there's hurt and there's pain in this room. And in this moment, Father, there's hurt and pain in the future unless we realign ourselves with you. Unless we make you number one in our lives. 
unless we get our identity from you and not from this world. Unless we allow you to shape us and not culture to shape us. So Father, over these next couple moments, I just pray that our young people of DSM, leaders of a generation, would have a courage. A courage that is not of their own. A courage that is birthed in the kingdom. A courage that is birthed in the kingdom of heaven. A courage that comes from you to say, God, I lay this at your feet. I repent. And God, I realign myself with you. I'm going to be intentional about my life. If that's you tonight, let's just take a couple moments. Let's spend some time with the Lord and do some business, whatever business you got to do. And let's just move to this center line here, symbolic of recommitting our lives and our hearts to be directed towards Christ. forgiveness where you need forgiveness. Scripture promises First John 1 John 1.9 that if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The cross, believe me, the cross is strong enough to cover your sin. something as simple as asking God to forgive you for taking your focus off of him or putting things in the same place that he should be for getting our priorities out of alignment it might even be that you have to go to someone in this room and ask them for forgiveness maybe you've had bitterness and resentment towards someone just an issue between you and God and you need to say, God, I forgive them for what I feel like they've done. I want you to picture yourself on a path. A dirt path. Dusty. I want you to picture yourself following a man following Jesus. And I want to picture yourself getting so close to him that the dust from his sandals kicks up onto you. You want to be so close. You want to follow Jesus so closely that the dust from his sandals kicks up onto you. Trust me, he'll slow down for you. He'll wait. He'll even stray off the path himself to rescue you. To come reach you, reach down and grab you out of that hole. To grab you out of the pain. To grab you out of the unforgiveness. To grab you out of the hurt. 
God's a good God. He's a good Father. God, we come before you tonight. I thank you, Father, that these young people have declared before you and before others, before other witnesses, God, that they're realigning their lives. That, God, they've allowed this world to pull them off your path, whatever that may look like. And, God, they're saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you so close, Father. My future is in your hands. I trust you. I trust you like a child. I have childlike faith. I know you're going to care for me. I know you love me. I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to protect me and guard me in all my ways. I know you have blessing for me and favor for me. I know you have my future laid out, planned, purposes for me. Jesus, I want to follow you tonight. I don't want to look back. I don't want to look to one side or the other. I just want to follow you. I want to set my gaze upon you. I want my eyes to lock on you. Correct my priorities, oh God. Correct my idolatry, Lord Jesus things I've put in place that I've worshipped other than you. God, you are life itself. You are the one who completes me. You are my fullness. You are the one who makes me whole. And I am whole because of what you did on the cross. I am whole because of your blood that covers me. I am whole because of the identity you have given me. Because I am a son or I am a daughter of the living God. And I have been called by name and I am yours. And I'm not going to let anything change that. When I see others in front of me veering off, being captured by the lures of this world, I will stand strong. And I will stay true to the path that you have laid out for me. My eyes, my eyes are fixed are fixed on you, God. No turning back. There's no turning back. My eyes are fixed. I'm only going forward. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Everybody said, Amen. I love you guys. Let's follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Let's go after him hard. Let's make sure it's dust. That we're breathing it. That it's getting into our mouths because we're so close. Let's keep focused. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.